Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today to discuss the final game of the season. It's been a long one, it's been a great one for us and we're coming to the conclusion now as we take on Man United at Old Trafford. Here to discuss it all, I have Elton, how are we going? Uh, good morning, well for us it's good morning, um, great, um, I'm cold but I'm excited and I'm a little bit wistful that it's all coming to an end. Yeah, it does feel a bit that way. We're right at the very end of what's been a really fun season to to cover as a podcast. And yeah, it's kind of sad that we're not going to be able to talk about games for the next couple of months at least. But, uh, you know, we'll still find a lot of content in the offseason, I'm sure. And Sammy here to join us as well. How are you going, Sammy? I am Flemmy. I am Flemmy, but I'm good. I'm good. And yeah, I I I I always I always I always like a pregame because you know like you can always you can always dream in a pregame. You can you can create <laughs> narratives, you can you can write a script for yourself and it will eventually be wrong. And yeah, it's it's sad that we won't be script writing for a bit anymore. So let the nostalgia begin. Yeah, classic overshare from Sam to uh, start off our final bud for the uh, for the previews for this season, but yeah, look as you said, it's uh, it is it is sad that we're not going to be able to talk about games for a little while. It's been so enjoyable going into a lot of games this season, where you know previously in a Premier League season, you come into a game, preview it, and go, oh god, I hope we can pull something off here. We need a bit of a miracle to get points. We're about to talk about this Man United game, and I think we're probably all on the same page looking at it and going, we could pick up three points here quite comfortably. We've played Man United a few times this season. I think uh, we've actually been fairly dominant in most of those games. Unfortunately, the results haven't gone our way, but in the 70 minutes before everything kicked off in the FA Cup game, we were the better side by far. Um, in the game before the World Cup, I'd say we were the better side and we got undone by a, a moment of magic at the very end. Uh, it's 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 kind of nice, though, going into all of these games this year, Dad, and, you know, being really positive and, and thinking that we're going to take maximum points away from pretty much all of them. I think this is a even more, well, not strange, but it's got a weirder feeling about it in that um, I, I think Sam's completely right in saying that you can dream and no one can say you're wrong in a pre-match uh, situation. It's very um, easy to be right. We... <laughs> yeah, well, but I I really think that anything could happen in this this game, and I don't just, I don't think I'm being, you know, silly about that. I, I believe that we will be prepared and pumped like no other, but I couldn't call. I couldn't call the result realistically. 
I could never call the result, but um, uh, Man U uh, just cleared. They're in the Champions League now. They pretty much only have um, FA Cup to worry about, which is completely separate from the last day of the Prem. Um, we Man United have, like really cleaned up in like the past like couple of weeks, as in like they were not not I don't want to say disarray at the start of the season, but they've really like Ten Hag's really kind of got it together a little bit more. And like a lot of those players seem to be gelling, and obviously Casemiro and Sancho are actually coming into their own. But with all that said, I still think that this is a, is like a poetry redemption story in my mind, and I think that there is a serious, serious opportunity here. It's kind of it almost kind of feels like pre Chelsea, you know, like um, pre Chelsea this season. Um, I'm not sure if like you guys felt it, but in my bones, I was like, I can see it. I can see it. I think you've and uh, you felt like that in every single game this season. <laughs> not every single game. Not every single game. I'm not having that for one second. Any Man City game, not having it. And Newcastle as well. I remember. I remember you guys were like, "Ah, oh, Newcastle, they're, 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 they're nothing." And then the Champions League, they they bitched us. I remember. Yeah, well, yeah. We we got absolutely flogged by Newcastle, but that was also down to losing a player after about. What three minutes? I think the red card yeah, there. Um, but yeah, look, uh, there's there's a few talking points there, and we'll sort of get onto them when we get a bit deeper into the game. But you know, man, you have done really well. They were struggling early season. We we saw that, and they've they've done superbly to lock in Champions League. We saw a lot of big teams struggle this year. Really, Liverpool um, finally got their act together and f- will finish in fifth and lock in Europa League next season. But for Man United to lock in the Champions League from where they were, they've done really, really well. The one thing to consider with this game coming up is, as you said, Sammy, they've got an FA Cup final to to, to think about. Uh, they're playing Man City, so it's a Manchester derby in a cup final. It's going to be, I would have thought, front of their minds because for them now, the Premier League season's finished. doesn't really matter now if you finish third or fourth. They're playing Champions League football next season either way. Uh, all they really need from this game is a point to guarantee third. But again, you know, we, we're talking for Fulham. We talk a lot about those those extra positions giving the financial incentive to finish higher up the table. For Man United, they don't need an extra two million pounds for finishing yeah. one place higher. It's it's a drop in the ocean for them when they've got Champions League locked in for next season, which is going to probably bring in a hundred million, if not more. Um, they've got an FA Cup final, which doesn't bring in a huge amount of cash, but um, a, a winning stages. a trophy or rather stopping. Uh, but it's also stopping Man City from that treble that they're chasing. You know, totally. they, Man yeah. City really want to win that treble and it's the treble that Man United won back in 99. And if if Man United can, you know, actually put a stick in in the wheel of Man City, which just keeps on turning and keeps on rolling over everyone else... That that's a that's a big thing for them, you know. Imagine if it was us playing against Chelsea in a cup final, and knowing that we could stop Chelsea from winning a treble, Fulham would be giving just that extra bit more. So, I, I think, man, you are really going to be We're focused all children, on the really. final. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I I really I really expect that there's going to be a bit of rotation from Man United. You talk about Casemiro and and some of those important players under Ten Hag who have been pivotal to their form this season. I I suggest we're going to see a bit of youth come into the team um, mm. and some of those key players rested to make sure they don't get injured 
with one game to go. This game's a write-off for Man United. And it kind of is for Fulham as well. The only thing on the line for Fulham is a record points total. And, and mm. so I think we're going to be taking it a bit more seriously than Man United. Not that it's going to be a walkover, but I, I think there's there's far more on the line for them in terms of players getting injured or um, even... I, I'm not sure if suspensions carry over for the FA Cup, but I, I think they might do. Mm. So... I reckon there's there's a bit more jeopardy for Man United there. It's really I, interesting I it's, as well. Yeah. Man. Sorry, Sam. Just a, just <laughs> a quick... Go, go on, go on. Okay, you, you're getting your point in? No, no, you get your point in. You, know, you, you, you shoehorned it. Go on. I was simply going to say, I, I think it's more than just a um, the points record for Fulham. I think it's actually... I, I, I think there's a score to settle. I do. Yeah, yeah, I totally do. Um, what the only thing that I was gonna say is I, because I, I do think you're right. I do think um they will structure it a little bit differently because it is a bit of a write off for them. The only thing is I'm not really sure like how Ten Hag um would like structure his team around that because if you take somebody like um Guardiola, who like famously will just rest players pretty openly and shamelessly if he feels that he needs to and he's resting them for something else. Whereas um, other managers are more inclined to just keep their players fresh, keep their players good. So maybe he will put out um, not necessarily like a full starting lineup, but have just like a lot of rotation on the day, but just make sure like Casemiro gets some legs in. So he's, still warm for like FA Cup final. I don't really know how Ten Hard works in that respect. So I, can't uh, I really think when, when you're a player like Casemiro, who has so much experience, um, it's similar to if we wanted to rest Willian, for example. I think it would be fine to rest Willian for a week to give him just that extra bit of recovery time. Um and I don't think it would massively affect him. I think someone like Casemiro is a perfect example of a, a player who's a little bit older who could do with just having a week off and mm. it wouldn't massively affect his performance going into the next game. Um, I assume Man City are going to do... Yeah, yeah I think it's Man a... City will do the same thing as well, though, that they'll they'll rest players because they've got an FA Cup final coming up as well and they don't need to play a full team. So you'll still the, see... The... Uh, huh? You'll still see a, only, a, a core group, but I think there'll be some changes. Yeah, the no. only problem when Man City rest players, no one notices because they're all so damn good. It's actually so funny. So like, I was listening to like The Athletic that was talking about this. I know we're just kind of going off on a tangent, but I don't care. Um, and they were, they were talking about um, uh, Haaland and it was... Like, because it's actually crazy to think about, like, how many goals has he scored when Pep just pretty much the second that he scored, like, one, maybe two, he just takes him off. So he's very rarely actually played like a full game in like the Prem, like, from start to finish, just because, like, once his job's done, he just kind of moves him off. And that's that's how he keeps him fit. And that was like the reason why he went to City over um, Real Madrid because he didn't want to play every game at Real Madrid. Anyway, we're not a Man City podcast, so back on the topic. <laughs> Let's have a look at the the timings for this game. It's a slightly strange kickoff time. Um, I always thought final day of the season. I know sometimes it's played on a Sunday, but I thought it was an earlier kickoff, if anything. But it's a 4.30pm kickoff uh, in the UK on Sunday. That's 11.30pm on the west coast of Australia, 1.30am on the Monday morning for the east coast of Australia. Uh, in the US, it's an 8.30am Pacific kickoff. 
and an 11.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff on Sunday, the 28th of May. Um, so we'll have a quick look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really? It's going to be, uh, well, especially on a work night as well. It's a, it's a pretty That's rough horrible. one for us, but it's brutal. It has to be done. It's the last time for a few months, so it's uh, it's worth the pain for a few days. Uh, looking at the recent form for Fulham, uh, it's been better form recently uh, with a few results coming through the door. Two all draw against Crystal Palace most recently. The 2-0 win against Southampton, the 5-3 win against Leicester, and then the 1-0 loss to Liverpool and the 2-1 loss to Man City, although good performances there. Man United uh, are on a pretty good run at the moment, although they haven't had the hardest games. And really, if you look at these games across the board for Man United, they probably should have been taking 12, 13 points minimum, and they've only taken nine. Uh, a 4-1 win against Chelsea locked in Champions League football for them. A 1-0 win against Bournemouth uh, away from home, 2-0 against Wolves, and then a 1-0 loss against West Ham and a 1-0 uh, loss against Brighton. Dad, looking at those recent results does it tell a bit of a story about man united or do you think it's it's hard to actually extrapolate any information from those well i i see a kind of contradiction in what you said and what i agree with and that recently <clears throat> you know compared to the first half of the season they've really come good <clears throat> and are getting good results and as a result have ended up fourth <clears throat> possibly third but let's call it fourth. And, um, you know, they have done well and they're a force. But to, to to lose in the last five games, to lose to West Ham and even to Brighton, who are obviously a good side and competitive, <clears throat> Man United shouldn't be losing to either of those two sides. So there is a question mark yep. there. They are fallible. And if we, if you guys are right or if we're right in that, they do decide to now set their sights on, you, you know, um, the FA Cup and doing well there when, let's face it, you know, only some people would watch the highlights or, or, or replays of all games in the Premier League on a, any given Saturday or any given weekend. But when it comes to the FA Cup, everyone's going to be watching. Everyone. And it, mm. it is, it's a local derby. And it's not just... Well, you can kind of put a, a wheel in the spoke of Man City, it, but it's actually a tribal thing. It's it's a local derby, and so it's it's huge pride for them. And I tend to agree with you that even though they don't have to and they, they'd want to be professional and end the season strong, I think I think they will probably. And and it's not like yeah, when we talk about our youngsters and. Um, the fact that we ought to, for to, to have the right setting at Fulham, we ought to play our youngsters and ought to create an environment where we bring people through. But you know, sides like Man City, Liverpool, Man United actually have really, really, really talented youth. Yeah. So bringing them on is not that big a risk because it, it's it's more a fact that, geez, we're really already beginning them some game time. They're pretty good. They're well capable of actually taking a part where we, we must still feel like outside of Luke Harris, any other youngster is a massive roll of the dice. It could work. It could be a total disaster, right? Mm. So, yeah, when I you think look it's... At... Yeah, go. you go, Jack. Sorry, yeah, you look, you look at guys like Garnacho who came in and, and played against oh. us in that final game before the World Cup. 
the, Brilliant. The, the Man United youth, if you want to call them that, and, and youngsters and up-and-coming players would slot into most Premier League teams. Mm. When you when you look at players like that, you just go, yeah, okay. Um, like, you know, you're resting players, but you're not really getting a rest as an opposition club because, you know, Garnacho almost snuck his way into the World Cup squad, and that's a World Cup winning squad. Um, you know, it, it's it's definitely not giving us like a, an easy run by slotting in a couple of these young guys who will probably go on to have incredible careers in the Premier League or Serie A or, you know, around the rest Guaranteed. of the world. These are, Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, amazing. These are serious players. And you may not have never heard of them, but uh, you you will eventually. You know, yeah. there's going to be guys like Ilanga probably getting a game. He's he's young. Yeah, he's um, really good. He's really guy, good. Zidane Iqbal, who's very well um, considered. Garnacho will probably get a game. Um, they've got a couple of young English guys as well. And Man United have always been good at bringing through their youth players as well. Yeah. You know, think under Ferguson, how many times they gave opportunities to some of those youngsters, and they turned out to be blokes like Michael Carrick, who goes on to have these incredible careers. And I, I expect we'll see some rotation and, and a few guys thrown into the deep end, which is exactly why Man United are so successful because they, they can do it and, you know, they don't lose out massively by doing so. Mm. I was just going to say, um, uh, with Man United as well, because they they have so much squad depth, adding in those youth players actually gives them a pretty decent opportunity and there's not as much pressure on them. It's literally just kind of go out and do your best. Whereas if we're comparing it to somebody like Luke Harris, in my opinion, when Luke Harris comes on and plays, he has to be at the standard of like Pereira and uh, Tom Kearney because it's, 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 it's a different dynamic. I mean, you see it all the time in teams like Southampton as well, when they bring out youth players and you have to expect so much of them. It's different at Man United. They can literally just go out and just be that chaotic kind of Russell bustle. Whereas like you still have to play a role when you're in um, a youth player at teams like Fulham. Well, at Man United is where you've got so much quality around you that you can drop a youth player in and they'll they'll be carried by the players around them. Mm. Maybe it's the point that we're really missing whenever we have a discussion about youth at Fulham and the frustration and the disappointment we feel and where, where we feel it's not being done right. Maybe it's as simple as this, that the Man United... The Man City, maybe the top three clubs, certainly Liverpool, Man United, Man, Man City. I, I wouldn't even call, I wouldn't classify the so-called youth in the same category as everyone else's youth. There, yeah. there's, I would, I would actually classify them as players who aren't getting a go. They're, they're, all, they're probably already a gar- Like Jack said, they're almost guaranteed to become very good. Absolute top players, if not incredible internationals, somewhere else. So, like, um, the, you, you've Sam. actually got really. Sam. There's a yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just got very excited. I got, I got very excited because you know, so like, um, with teams like you Man talk City, about Tifo now. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually not going to talk about Tifo. I'm actually going to talk um uh, about something else. But with teams like um Man City, Man U, like Liverpool, or those teams. They actually have like associate clubs like all over the world that are linked to those clubs. So it's a bit different with um, clubs like Fulham that are really just going within like their local area. And when you're dealing with a place like London, 
you have a really, really good reach. It's really, really awesome kind of and obviously you have like associate clubs that like you work closely with but the reach of like those top six like those big clubs they, they've got spots all over the world scouting and yeah they but this is crying. it's just money guys Jack's shaking it's his just head money. Jack's shaking his head why are you shaking just, your head? i'm shaking my head it's, because they they do have they do have that but how many players from uh melbourne city which is a man a man city <clears throat> affiliated club are now mm-hmm. playing at man city how many players well, they're not, from they're not New York? There. New York City is it New York City? They 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 don't actually pick up youngsters through those systems. The the reason they pick up youngsters is because they're Man City and they've won the league six times or oh, five times out of the last six, and people want to play for Man City. Unfortunately, they, Fulham have a global scouting reach. Fulham scout players from all over the world and get players into the youth setup. Um, the problem is if. A youth player gets offered, do you want to come to Fulham or do you want to go to Man United? They'll go to Man United because yeah. how good to have gone to Man United. You saw it with it's your, your money. mate. It's money and good mate, management. Um, oh, yeah, who, who got picked up by Liverpool. He got offers from other clubs as well. But um, if Liverpool come knocking, you go to Liverpool, even though you don't potentially get an opportunity to actually do anything there. And then yeah. you find yourself in another club afterwards as well. But... Um, yeah, look, it's. I think the biggest thing is if you have a look at where we are this season, um, it's the final day of the season and we're still fighting to re- uh, reach a target, reach a goal. And most clubs in the league, I don't think there's any clubs apart from maybe like Palace, West Ham and Wolves who with three games to go could sort of breathe easy and weren't really aiming for anything. Everyone else up until the last day of the season had something to play for. And that's why we're unable to actually push youth into the team because we have to put out the best possible team at all opportunities to to keep pushing. The thing about Man United is they can just slip a youth player into their starting lineup and it won't make a huge difference because one yeah. tiny weak point in their side isn't going to actually collapse the whole team. With, with a team like Fulham where you get limited opportunities going forward, for example... If Luke Harris misses a one-on-one that Pereira probably would have scored, it has a major effect on the rest of your season. It just doesn't if you're Man United. Yeah, no, totally. I, I think, honestly, I, I think it's a clearly there's a lot of frustration and it's widely felt. People talk about it all the time, Fulham supporters I'm talking about. But I, I actually think there's a huge cause for optimism because if, let's say, I, I don't know enough about it to know how good a youth system Newcastle had, for for example. And I say Newcastle because I'm talking about a, a, a club that just recently got a huge amount of funding, which it's obviously... It's going to get going. a lot better. Well, what I'm saying is I think it takes... You could buy a bunch of experienced players in if you've got a lot of money, and it might take you two or three years for that to gel. <clears throat> but even Chelsea, when... Abramovich uh, first came in took a lot longer than that even with billions being thrown at it took a lot longer than that to actually make a decent competitive unit um, mm. but let's say you get that right and you have the right management and you just do it really smart um, it still takes a m- number of seasons but I think it t- to build an academy of there's a lot of staff involved in a, having a really good academy and to actually build a production line and a machine that is very, very successful at turning out good players. It takes a long time. It's like building a university. And yeah. 
So yeah, I actually think, I actually think that if we continue to have success, if lots of money is thrown at the senior team, and and we get ourselves into really great positions where we can afford to possibly buy an even better young talent, which gives you a greater probability of producing the Garnachos of the future or in higher n- numbers, the future's bright because we've actually got the infrastructure. Yeah, Jack. I mean, the the biggest thing I think is um, is the coaching side of that. And and that's one thing Fulham have done really well. Steve Wigley leads the under-21s and he's been incredibly successful with the number of players that he's brought through the Fulham system. And, and, you know, if you do look at just the last seven or eight years when we've had um, Moussa Dembele Jr. come through, um, you've had Patrick Roberts, you've had Harvey Elliott, Sessegnon, Carvalho. These are like pretty high-quality players playing in top leagues now who've all come through the Fulham youth system. And so they've been identified by someone and picked up and put into the academy. They've been properly nurtured through the academy. Uh, One major thing is the fact that our under-21s team has always been really strong and always performed really well. They're they're not obviously not going to be quite at the same level as Man United and Man City who have, you know, the cream of the cream of crop and the get the best pick of players from all over the country. A A lot of, Fulham's youth side is is made up of English players, which is kind of good, um, especially with the fact that you do need English players uh, in your squad to hit certain registration marks that are required. Um, so it's 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 definitely something that we can hang our hat on and say we're doing really well. There's some works going on at Motswell Park in the next, hopefully, couple of years. I, I don't know if you saw some of the plans that got... Um, updated quite recently but uh, Fulham bought it's basically the lot across the road from Motspur Park which I think used to be owned by the BBC and they're developing one side, the new side will become for the first team and will be kitted out beautifully for the first team and then the other side which is the current Motspur Park will basically be solely dedicated to the youth teams and to the women's teams as well which is really good. It's a it's a big step forward because Motspur Park is not a huge facility, and to share that between the first team and the youth team, it isn't ideal. What we're going to be able to do is give the youth team a much better base to actually base themselves from. Uh, probably give the hopefully give Motspur Park as as a venue, as in like a, as a little stadium, a bit of an upgrade as well. Have a few more facilities there to get people down to watch games a bit more often, and 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 hopefully that translates in turn to uh, some better production of youth players as well because it's a place that they want to go. Um, it, it's it's all, yeah. you know, just constant building. You know, to me, it is it is as simple as it's just money. Um, we're, we're not a yeah. stupid club. It was just money because imagine we're playing consistent Champions League. And I don't think that's if, – if, if this all goes well for Tony Khan's belief in silver, d- don't tell me silver – can't do this and get us into a Champions League position in the next three or four years. It's quite possible. And if you start looking at a future, I believe it, Sam. I do believe it. If you start looking at a future where you can realistically get an extra hundred million pounds through the door every year, you know, the, the, the academy is going to be getting an extra five or 10 million pounds a year. 
Can I can I offer a counterpoint to that? I um I think Silver is the guy to establish us as a proper mid-table club. I don't think he's the guy to get us to Champions League. I think that will need to be a different coach. That will come in at a later point. That's that's my honest personal opinion. Yeah, I, I'm back I, in I you, Marco. That I think. I, I think Silver's good enough to get us into the Champions League. It's uh, the biggest issue for Silver has been there's a limitation on his spending, which mm. is because of previous errors from other managers. That's going to be lifted this season, which means he's going to be able to spend more money and get the players that he actually wants. I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And, and so I think if you look at the players he has bought in, in blokes like Polina and Leno, he's he's able to build a squad that's good enough to finish in the top half of the Premier League straight away. And and I heard a stat that we, um, if we beat Man United, I think we'll be the 10th most successful newly pre- newly promoted side into the Premier League. So, mm. he, you know, he's, he's creating history there with the Premier League's been around for 30-odd years. And there, that means there's been 90 teams that have come up and been promoted. And this is the 10th best side ever to be promoted, potentially. Um, I, you can't I, tell I me think, that we can we can't kick on from that point. Oh, we definitely I, I can. think this is Marco Silva's big opportunity, and you know the the the, the Ten Hags, the you know the the Peps of the world had to start somewhere, you know, and and on on their road to proving themselves to be greats, right? And Marco, whilst he's been you know Premier League manager a couple of times, I don't think they were absolutely ideal situations for and and optimal situations for him to thrive he seems to whatever we think of tony khan he seems to have a really great relationship and he's actually earned Mm. the trust of tony khan and so that 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 releases uh, you know a lot of a lot of money potentially and so that you you can see that you can see the whole thing sort of coming together pretty well I'm pretty sure Jack knows um, more about this than I do, but I know I know like prior to um, him joining us, I know he was in not necessarily a bit of disgrace, but I know that he had not necessarily the best reputation because of um, previous stints at Everton and Hull, I believe. Um, and yeah, oh, I, I do feel. Oh, Watford Everton Hull, yeah. Like I know he's. This has really been a bit of a redemption kind of job for him um so i would probably say this has been his best managing stint ever um so it's really yeah yeah it's really interesting to see like what his next kind of movements will be because this is probably the most successful he's actually ever been in the premier league and i think you can i think you can really judge managers more so by their second third fourth seasons than their first and second well, uh, you know, we talk about if, is, is this as far as he could take us and maybe we need someone someone with a bit more experience who's got European experience and things like that. But, you know, Silver's won trophies. He he, mm. uh, we, he was in charge of sporting. He won trophies there. He was in charge of Estoril. I don't know if he won trophies, but he led them to fourth in the Portuguese league, which is basically the same as leading a team in the Premier League to sixth. Um, yeah. At Olympiacos, he led them to the Champions League. Um, 
you know, won won a title as well. Like he's won titles. The, the problem is he got a bit of a bad rep of not being able to do it in the Premier League because he was with Hull, he was with Watford, uh, he was with Everton, and you know, as, as we can see now, Watford and Everton are, are not proven Premier League sides. Um, neither were Fulham, but the fact is that he bought Fulham from the Championship up to the Premier League, and then did so well in the Premier League. I, I think he's he's found his his groove a little bit, and he went mm-hmm. to those clubs yeah. after his sort of European adventures, and um, was kind of crossing his fingers that the the vibe, I guess, is right, and the squad is right for what he wants to do. And now he's at Fulham, and you know maybe he does have a really good relationship with Tony Khan mm-hmm. as well, and has been given the the ability to buy players he wants and the money that he wants as well. So he, he's definitely found his niche now with Fulham, and I, I think he could take us far. The, the oh, point yeah. is this. The point is, this. again, it's about the release of funds and trust in the manager. right? And you could argue if, if Pep or Klopp or whatever had stints at Hull, Watford and Everton at those exact same times when those clubs weren't exactly screaming along, could they alone have turned around the fortunes? And I'd argue probably not. Yeah. I Well, we talked about this last week, how you have different managers for different stages and how different managers can achieve different things. Like think of like Sean Deitches and Sam Allardyces, who are kind of known as like specialist escape from relegation, like managers yeah i feel that um i don't i yeah and as i was as i was saying before i don't know what kind of like silver's glass ceiling is like i would hope it's literally just that's be- win the premier league and pull a leicester but i, I just don't know be- that's because he's he's never had the resources and the, yeah. the 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 universe hasn't lined up for him and i think it's lining it's lining up for him yeah yeah no, well again he's he's won he's won um he's won league titles he's Played in the Champions League, he's, he's. We know that he can do it at the highest level, um, and, and I think if he's given the opportunity to actually build something f- effectively from scratch, because if you look at the side he took over um, when we're in the Championship, it's it's a very different team now. I know there's there's obviously some players who've remained, but he's strengthened in a lot of positions, and he's. He, I wouldn't say he's been ruthless, but he definitely knows what he wants, and you can see that he's building something. Give a give a manager a couple of years, and unfortunately, what happens is managers have a good first season, things dip off, and owners just kick them out instantly. I think yeah. Silver has earned himself a bit of extra time, so that even if we do have a run of bad results, there's there's going to be no issues around his job security. I think next season we'd have to really, you know, pick up nine points on my first ten games or something terrible like that, and and be in a really poor position before his his position is even considered. Um, and, and that's what you want as a manager, the ability to have a bit of backing and know that you can try things and they might fail, but you're not going to lose your job over it. And I think that's mm-hmm. what Silver has at Fulham. And, and so I, I fully believe he's going to be backed in the summer and I believe he's going to be back going forward as well. Um, let's have a quick look at the table because um, I, I think firstly we need to have a bit of a chat about where Fulham are finally finishing this season because now that we've been locked into the, this 10th place, I think we, we do need to celebrate it. Um, but we'll look at, across the whole table. We see Man City obviously now running away with the title. They they lead Arsenal by eight points and have uh, obviously been crowned champions already. 
Arsenal, Man U and Newcastle all locked into Champions League positions. Liverpool take the Europa League spot. I believe Brighton will be taking a Conference League spot or maybe even Europa yeah, League conference, because... Conference. Uh, no, I think it's Europa League, actually, because Man U and Man City are playing the FA Cup final together. And oh, true. I don't okay. think... And basically, whoever wins the FA Cup gets Europa League spot. And because they're both already qualified for the Champions League, that now drops to Brighton. And so it's actually a bit of a shoot-off between Villa, Tottenham and Brentford on the final day for that final Europe, Europe <coughs> position, which is the Conference League. Um, Villa obviously in the box seat on 58 points, Tottenham on 57, Brentford on 56. Um, so there's a high possibility that any of those teams could take the final spot. And then Fulham sitting comfortably in 10th place, 52 points, a plus three goal advantage, uh, goal difference, 15 wins, seven draws, 15 losses. Dad, just how good a season has this been from Fulham? We, we've set a new uh, record for the number of wins. I believe it's one of our highest ever goal-scoring seasons. Uh, we're one point away from equaling our highest ever points total. Just how how great has this been? Oh, look, it's, it's probably a bit boring for listeners to hear, but uh, it's obviously been so entertaining, so satisfying, so great from, from so many aspects, and, and not just the points total, but having some really good wins against near neighbours and being competitive against all of London, really. Um, and I, no, it's, I, I think as we, we've all talked about as well, I think the biggest takeaway for me is let's enjoy because this is a fickle, this is fickle. You know, <laughs> you can, you can, you can be going like a train and one mistake in a war will see you, see you off. So yeah, we just got to enjoy it. You know, it's a very, very competitive space, and and uh, honestly, this season kind of it all starts again next season. You just don't know how you just don't know how it happens because you can you can all the money in the world, you can have the greatest start in the world, <clears throat> you can get a couple of red cards and a couple of really mean injuries, and it can be your season. Mm. Yeah, well, we, yeah. we just don't know if, if this will ever happen again. Like, yeah. I'm sure back back in, um, when did we set the record? 07, 07 08? 08, 09. Um, we were probably looking at it and going, you know, next season we're going to be playing in Europe. We're probably going to finish fifth. Um, and then the season after that, we'll be pushing Champions League spots. But unfortunately, like you said, it's, it's a fickle game and things can change very, very quickly. And we just have to... We just have to cross our fingers that we do kick on from here and build on this. But realistically, next season, I think the club's going to be, you know, targeting that forty points again and just making sure we we're safe and we qualify from um, not qualify. We we avoid relegation and, and we continue to be a mid-table Premier League club. But we just don't know. Um, so uh, I think you're right. We do need to make the most of this because um, it's it's. It's a really big moment in Fulham history. It's already our second most points in Premier League history. The fact that we could potentially beat it is is just unbelievable. And I don't think anyone at the start of the season believed that this could happen apart from maybe Marco Silva. Sam, do you think we've got enough of a platform here to build on and, and push on? Or do you think we will be looking at just avoiding relegation next season? Oh, I definitely don't think we'd be avoiding rele like that 
If that is um, the goal, it definitely shouldn't be. I think um, we're. I mean, if you like, it. I think the second season is really crucial for building, um, just because that's when you've got the most eyes on you. That's when you've got um, the most opportunity. I mean, at the moment, we're selling a story. We're going to be selling that over um, the transfer window to actually get more players into come into this environment and actually build upon that um it it does come down to who we sign though because um you can get great players and you can think that you've done it all right and then you can literally just pull a chelsea for example and in theory sign great players and yet it just doesn't work for whatever reason um, I'm pretty confident in Marco Silva, though. I think, do you know what? I think we're going to have to let some key players go um, and really just kind of commit to the growth in the future. I don't necessarily know who that is. I think that's more of a Marco Silva call than uh, myself call. I haven't been personally consulted. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I like the way you think. You think that might be more of a Marco Silva call rather it's than yours. Just, like you know, it's just like he's in he's in <laughs> the chair, be. so I might as well just I might as well just let him have it. My FIFA career stats are pretty good, but that's that's off the I, record. Um, I, I I I just said, I I, sorry. Think... I just want I just want to put a bar on my point. I th- I think we are going to have to um like let some players go in order to kind of create that really new team that actually sets us on the new trajectory i think we still have a couple of players of old which isn't necessarily a bad thing but i think if we want to go forward if we want to be competitive if we want to really kind of like grab this by the cojones then i think we need to restructure a bit well you, you say i think we need to let some key players go i don't think that's the case i don't think we'll let any key players go i think mm. um We'll obviously discuss this once the season's finished and we can do a bit of a recap and, and our future look at the season. But I, I expect, obviously, we'll want to sign some new players. I expect in, in making those signings, we, we will have to shift some players on. But I think, you know, consider the fact that people like Mbabu are still registered as a Premier League player. Um, he's not going to be with us next season, so that opens a spot. We'll lose Dan James, Shane Duffy, um uh, who what? who else have we got there? Cedric Swaz. <laughs> you know, it, it, all we all we do is shift shift our loan players on and potentially <clears throat> replace them with permanent signings, and we we open up four spots. Um, and, and then there's guys like Jay Stansfield who doesn't need to be registered because he's an under twenty one. Same with Luke Harris. Uh, so so I, I think we'll have we'll shift on the obvious players, but I don't think there'll be any huge surprises. I've heard a few people mentioning maybe blokes like Niskins might get shifted on. Um, mm. You know, we were talking about Harry Wilson getting shifted on. It's quite possible that Fulham actually look at cashing in on Wilson after he's performed really well. If we think that there's an opportunity to, Robinson. to make a big profit on him. Um, yeah. I mean, Robinson's been touted as someone dad. Do you think there's any other players on the chopping block? I think Rodak as well. Oh, come on. Cabano, um, Rodak, um, yeah, uh, who else? I, on, I, I honestly think anybody who isn't a regular starter who you think definitively, I want to be either on the sub bench or in the team, I think we need to take a serious consideration and go, is, is this person going to get us where we need to be in the future? You know, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe. Maybe Vinny gets sold, 
Um, and, and maybe he's done enough to to actually attract some interest. Um, maybe he's on a on the high that that we need to actually sell him to buy someone, you know, much much better. Mm. The the biggest problem is you you don't want to make too many changes. We saw it when we came up and spent hundred mil. Yeah. You, your your team doesn't gel quick enough if you make too many changes. If we dropped, you know, six players who were in our starting squad out of out of the club completely and then replace them with six new people, it would take a long time for that to actually click. And I, I'm I'm worried that it potentially wouldn't click. And I think yeah. Marco will want to strengthen in some key positions and bring in some key players, but I don't think he'll mess with it too much. I think it's obvious that we need a, probably a backup centre-back. It's obvious that we need someone to back up the central midfield positions and a backup striker, and then maybe we'd look at a starting a starting winger and maybe someone to replace Pereira as a starting attacking midfielder, but really there's not a huge amount that you need to do to shift this side on and, and take them from 10th to 8th, which is a realistic step for next season. In reflecting on your original question about, you know, what I think about 10th, I, I think given given our resources, given our squad, given the quality that we have, I think this reflects incredibly strongly on Marco Silva's trickery, his, his knack at actually pulling off some pretty pretty great performances, notwithstanding some injuries, it's like, you know, Solomon and Harry Wilson out early in the season, Polini are out for weeks, Mitro out for weeks, and, you know, even at the back end of the season, Tim Ream and Pereira out for weeks. These are, these are really big chunks out of this team's squad, and he still pulled it off. Now, I, I, if, if, if we don't have a really significantly successful transfer season or post-season post transfer window, if you, whatever you want to call it, if we don't, if we're not successful there, I'm a bit nervous about our ability to realistically do that again and consistently do that and, and, and perform so well with what we've got. It's, do it that against you um because all you need to do is is be, be playing really well but just get a ton of shit injuries and you're buggered so it does come down to he's proven he can do it we we absolutely have to spend money to lock ourselves into that mid table at a minimum well there's 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 no argument that we've overperformed this year. Like it's statistically proven that Fulham have overperformed far, far more than almost any other side in the league. We have, you know, Burton Leno is statistically the second best keeper in the league this season in terms of expected goals conceded compared to how many goals we've actually conceded. Same with expected points as well. We're, we're miles ahead, so we do need to strengthen. And um, I think if we don't, we might be in a bit of trouble. But I'd also argue that it's it's the same. Sorry, there's a coughing fit in the middle there. Um, I'd also argue it's the same for any team in the Premier League. If you don't strengthen in the off season, you are you're possibly just going to fall away. And I think we saw it with Leicester; yeah, they didn't properly strengthen, and they've they've 
disappeared because they couldn't properly strengthen because of their their model that they've they've stuck with. I think Fulham, all they need to do is hold on to their key players, which I think we'll do because I don't think we're going to lose Mitro, we're not going to lose Polina, we're not going to lose Leno, and and they're our key players for me. I know there's other players around them that are important to the way we play, but those those three especially are incredibly important to Fulham, and and it's very noticeable when those three are not playing individually how much it affects the way we play. If we hold on to those three and then just strengthen what we've currently got to make sure... And, and look, I, I actually don't think we could have been any more unlucky than we were this season with injuries. Mm. Yeah. We lost Wilson, who is probably our starting winger um, for half of the season. Mitro was either unfit or, or banned for almost half of the season. Um We've been fortunate with Leno, but we've lost defensive players. We've lost midfielders to suspensions. Like we've been incredibly unlucky this season. I think next season, if we just strengthen a little bit, we'll be in a much better position. Optimism. Point. Point made. Um, <laughs> guys, uh, I think we can probably talk about the lineups very shortly. Um. Biggest thing for me, I think Fulham most likely unchanged. Do you guys see any changes to that Fulham side that played Palace last week? No, no. Yeah, I th well, I mean, we're kind of between a rock and a hard place with our injuries. I think we're kind of deadlocked to this team that um, started against Palace. I mean, the only changes potentially you could see would be Suarez to start at either right or left back. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, Lukic to possibly start in place of Harrison Reed. I don't see that happening. No. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a change on the wings, but it would be BDR or Solomon starting in place of Willian or Wilson. Don't see that happening. No. Nope. Not and Vinicius yeah. starting against um, Man United rather than Mitro. Not going to happen. Well, that makes so sense. So I think that you're right with, with the <laughs> yeah with the injuries we've got and and what we've got available to us, it, it does make sense to see um, an unchanged side. Like I said, I think Man United, we will see some changes. I, I was going to try and predict Man United 11. I actually thought it was completely pointless because I, I genuinely think they could name 11 completely different players from what I actually put out there. So um, what we'll do, agree. Sammy, we'll jump forward and um, finish off this episode with a little taste of, if I can put it on the screen, cottage cheese. Oh, yep. Get that savory stuff in your mouth. Now I've gone for a bit of a different one because we've been um we've been doing we've been doing um uh, Fulham players in various scenarios all season, and I imagine in the off season we're probably going to go through an award ceremony of sorts. So we're going to be talking about those guys a lot. So what we're going to do now is we're going to completely restructure the side with some of. The best would you rather um, musical acts that I feel could fill certain positions. Now, I've um, broken this up into just five key places. So we're going to start off really, really strong. Now, your defensive back line, would you rather Coldplay or ZZ Top? Bear in mind, Coldplay are really tall. Mm, ZZ Top. <laughs> Intimidation. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Just look a bit harder, a bit more metronomic. 
I don't know. I don't know. I feel like um, Chris Martin can maybe get in the air. He's like 6'4". He's massive. Um, I think he's a big uh, softy, yeah. though. <laughs> um, uh, central midfield. Any two members of Oasis or any two members of Blur? Uh, I'd like to have one Oasis. from each. Just for the... Yeah, yeah, one from each would be good. But I think Oasis, just for uh, just pure shithouser. It would be like having Polina and Johansson in the side together. Yeah, no, I imagine Blair would probably be like more structured and methodical and yeah, it would just be relatively pointless and ineffective. Um uh your number ten, your playmaker. Continue. Prince or Sting? Prince. Bit of flair in the middle. I'm going Prince. I'm going Prince. Um uh, goalkeeping. Uh Kurt Novoselic from Nirvana uh or Mick Fleetwood. To give you an idea, Chris Novoselic is six foot nine. Six nine. Uh, I'm going to go with Mick Fleetwood. I think he yeah. he reminds me a bit of Bruce Grobbler, a bit wild in goal. I think <laughs> I think he'd be, and he's good with his arms as well. Like I, I can see yeah. Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, no, he waves around a lot. I like it. And finally, your striker. Now I've gone for a target man position, so we're going to go Barry White or Luther Vandross. Just strong and big. Uh, it's got to be very dross. I can't imagine Barry White's getting around very quick. Oh, are you kidding me? Huh? I'm putting Barry White up there. Barry White's massive. I wouldn't mess with Barry White. (laughs) And that's your cottage cheese. That's your full lineup. I'm I'm sure we can set up that team somewhere. (laughs) Well, that was... Incredibly weird, Sam, but not unexpected as per usual. Um, there you go. Guys, it's been really enjoyable to go through our final preview of the season. It's been such a great season. and I, I really hope that we're getting to a stage now where we play this final game and we're, we're potentially looking at a really good result to finish off what has been just an absolute dream of a first season back in the Premier League under Marco Silva. Um it's been really enjoyable doing these previews throughout the whole year, and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to having a chat in the off season, looking at our players of the season, looking forward towards some transfers, how we think we might line up next season, and also um, our, our big uh, that's so craving quiz as well, which we'll be announcing very soon. Um, so, guys, thank you again for joining me today, Dad. Thanks for for putting the time aside this morning. I know we had to work, drag you out of bed to get here. Well, fair enough too. Saturday morning. <clears throat> um, but yeah, good, good, good chat. Enjoyed it. We're going to have to get that new router for you as well. Jeez, the lag is terrible. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Sammy, thank you again for joining <clears throat> us this morning. In all fairness to Dad, I'm two hours in front of him, and I was still in bed as well. So, like, credit to him for getting up two hours before <laughs> I would. Um, no, it's, no, yeah, you it's, guys it's need great. to need to babysit more often. You'll be up at five thirty like I was. Ugh, yuck. I've had, um, I've had three kids. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, in retirement um no yeah yeah it's been great now looking forward to the weekend and yeah no i i look i look forward to the closing out of like the season pod because yeah no it's been really special and um i will save all my um emotional responses for the final one just give the people what they want you know Oh, God. Well, you know what? I'll let you have a bit of an emotional one now. Why don't you close it out, Sammy? You'll let me? Okay. So, um, 
Not only has this season been incredibly well. Oh, no, I don't want a full speech. I just want you to say, come on, you whites. No, he, he just oh. wanted you to say, come on, you whites. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> no. I, 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 I was giving I, you the I opportunity thought... to monologue. Yeah, I did. I did. I was, I was ready for a monologue. That's I got hilarious. ready for it. Absolutely Also, can we, talk, can we talk about my uh, quick thinking? Because I was ready to go. You gave me a second's notice, and I was ready to pull that out of my ass. Absolutely not. And come on, you (laughs) are.